Welcome to the 2018 edition of Bookplate. Find us on the web at foreveryoungadult.com. Join a book club chapter in your area or start your own by visiting us online and clicking on the book club link at the top. Don't forget to check out our monthly themed wallpaper created by graphics goddess Mandy C, which is always featured at the top of the page. Hello, I am Annie, and for this book, which is Children of Blood and Bone, I don't know who I I don't know who I am. I was thinking about this earlier. I was trying to figure out which character maybe um what's the what's the princess's name amari amari i think she was might be my favorite introduce yourselves friends i'm brit and i will be nyla the lion air yes giant horned cat i'm amanda and i will be the necklace that they pawned (laughs) oh dang (laughs) (laughs) nice for book plate which is what you're listening to we always start out with our amuse-bouche, um, which is a short description of the story, and we divide the book into easily digestible portions like a meal. So our amuse-bouche. What starts as just another day for Zeli, or Zeli, we haven't decided, one filled with frustration and fear becomes an epic adventure to bring back and save the magic of Orisha, a land which just 11 years ago thrived with magi clans who worked the gifts of their sibling gods. Against all odds and pursued by those who killed Magic and her mother, Zelly and her friends fight for justice in a land soaked with their own blood. This book is real. <laughs> real bloody, <laughs> real dark, real epic. Yeah. <laughs> Anything I missed in that? Do we think it's Magi or Magi? Magi? Magi. Magi, okay. I might be the gift of the Magi, though. <laughs> yeah. I'm coming through with that. Yeah. I'm probably not going to pronounce a lot of these things. One, I always read things incorrect anyway. <laughs> I have slight dyslexia and have basically learned how to speak from books, so we'll try our best. So for the other cover take, we always ask our significant others what they think this book is about. I asked Jamile, and he said, a coming-of-age story about a group of warriors with a sinister aesthetic. Very accurate. Garrett looked at the cover, and he said, well, there's some kind of like tribal drawings on her face, so... And it's called Children of Blood and Bones. So maybe it's about children who get sacrificed for their bones and blood because the bones and blood give people magic powers, but they want to live. So they come up with a plan to escape their captors and survive. And I was just like, uh, I heard this a long time ago. I don't think that's what happened, <laughs> but don't remember. So I need to refresh my memory. <laughs> he always goes really in depth. I'm yeah. surprised. <laughs> He takes this as seriously as his assignment. And my husband is Phil. I, again, forgot to ask him, but when I got the book from the library, he picked it up and went, this looks really cool. And then he added it to his, like, audiobook queue. (laughs) Oh, nice. That's awesome. Yeah, I was reading it at work, and I immediately passed it off to a coworker. All right. uh, Our appetizer for this book, I have two. I have Shuku Shuki, which is Nigerian coconut balls and Moin Moin Pie, steamed savory bean pie. And these are both um, delicacies that Amari eats at the Diviners or Diviners, Diviners, Diviners Festival. Okay, we're going to say Diviners. Our appetizer is Orisha Magic. And this book has like a pretty complicated magic system. There are 10 deities plus the Sky Mother. It's a non-monotheistic creation story, and it ties religion and magic together. So... The question I have for you folks is which clan did you identify with? I sent you that quiz. Oh did yeah. you take it? I did. A I while also had ago. the clans pulled up here so we could talk about <laughs> them. <laughs> okay, 
right, so the ten clans are like she really went into this. Yeah, I was a little confused, but you know, it is a first book in a series, so I feel like a lot of it was sort of setting up for what's gonna come. I think she probably did so much world building and couldn't fit it all because mm-hmm. she also had to do the narrative, yeah. and it, that can be really frustrating. But I, it seems very well thought out, and at least for her. Like, she knows everything about this, you know? Right. And I, I expect that'll be reflected in future books. Yeah, I'm sure we're going to learn more and more about this as it goes on. Like, we didn't even get examples of all of the clans in the book. Yeah. Yeah. Just so everyone knows, the ten clans are Reapers, the Magi of Life and Death. They're the Iku clan, and they they have their, they're paired with their deities. So they're called by their what kind of magic they do, but then the clan name is based on their deity's name. So there's three different things that they have. There's the Reaper, the name of the type of magic they do, the name of their clan, which in this case is the Iku, oh, it has a accent over the U, so I'm not sure how that works. But then their associated deity is Oya. So there's like three different layers to each one of these. Plus they have a color significance. Yeah. And s- I just thought this is this is a movie bid. <laughs> like oh, I mean, clearly. Like this is my visualization grab for Hollywood or whatever. It felt like that. Also, I think it would look really good on a battlefield. Yes. Right? Like that's kind of where we're going here. Like this is going to be an epic mm-hmm. war at some mm-hmm. point. Yeah. So then we have the connectors, which are the magi of mind, spirit, and dreams. Titers, the magi of water. Burners, the Magi of Fire, Winder, the Magi of Air, Grounder and Welder, Welder, which are the Magis of Iron and Earth, and Lighters, the Magi of Darkness and Light. I thought it was interesting how some are paired. Mm-hmm. Some are specifics and some are paired. And then she even has Cancer and Healer, the Magi of Health and Disease, Seer, the Magi of Time, Tamer, the Magi of Animals. I just took the quiz right now <laughs> in the last like two minutes. Yeah, what are you? Because <laughs> I took it when you first sent it and then I was like, oh, I'll write this down so I can. I didn't do that. So I'm in the connector clan, it says. Oh, nice. The connector, the magi of mind, spirits, and dreams, empathetic, intuitive, and protective. You have the power to connect and control the consciousness of other human beings. That's what Inan is mm-hmm. in the story. Yeah. As a connector, you're quick to understand and help others. Though your feelings can overwhelm you at times, your compassion for humanity makes the world a better place. That's pretty accurate, I think. Yeah. Nice. I did not take the quiz, but the animal one sounds cool. I would <laughs> like animal friends, especially if there are these badass, like, horse lions oh <laughs> or whatever. That sounded really great. Yeah. So the tamers, the Aranko clan, control and transform animals. That's Ooh. awesome. And your associated deity is o- Oxosi. I'm sorry if I'm butchering these names. I took it and I got Tider, which is the water. Titers of the Omi clan can manipulate water and ice, moving and shaping its natural form. And the associated deity is Yamoha or Yamoja. I don't know if I, I felt like I'd probably get fire over Titer, but I don't know. The qu- the quiz was interesting. It was like color, but mm-hmm. then also like different. Sh- it was interesting. Hmm. Yeah, there's like choose an animal. That's right. And... Uh, if you're the captain of a ship and there's an enemy ship approaching, what do you do? Do you, like, crash your boat to give your crew a chance to escape or sacrifice yourself or ready your cannons? Like, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it was a more complicated quiz than <laughs> I thought it was going to be, but I liked it. Cool. Clearly, they're gearing up for this Hollywood extravaganza, yeah. which I'm 100% fine with. Yeah. <laughs> I Maybe like Netflix. a big budget movie, especially. 
a non-superhero movie, a non-Marvel superhero movie as much as the next girl. So I like to have some more epic kind of stuff. Yeah, and, f- and mag- like magic fantasy. I feel like we've really just had Harry Potter and like the other versions that we've had of the adult ones have, I mean, this is, again, not adult, but have been like pretty lame. Like yeah. Oh, like the Shannara one that they oh did on MTV? God. That was so bad. Oh, it, even the Aragon ones were bad. Like, there's been a lot of... Mm-hmm. Anytime there's dragons, it kind of falls flat. I mm-hmm. feel like the Harry Potter dragons were the only ones that kind of lived up to any sort of, okay, like, coolness. What other fantasy stuff with magic? Like, we, I don't think there's been a lot. There's Wrinkle Time, but that's more science fiction, but right. it's yeah. also kind of magic. I don't know. I like that one, so... I liked that, too. I mean, I love that story, but w- we haven't had something as, like, epic mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. this. That'll be good. I'm excited. I like the recent trend of YA adaptations on Netflix, because then I don't have to, like, put on pants and go out <laughs> in public. <laughs> it is pretty to good. Watch them. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, more of that. Yes. I did definitely read, watch the Texas one. Dumplin'. Dumplin'. Oh, yeah. I love that so much. That was cute. I yeah, bawled my eyes out. <laughs> so good. I actually like almost liked the movie better than the book. I did too. I didn't love the book, and they made some changes that mm-hmm. I thought were better. Like they got rid of the love triangle, and yeah, I felt a little more focused. Which I mean, they only had two hours or less than that, so it's gonna be. And Jennifer Aniston was amazing. Yes. That yeah, scene she where they good. pull her out of the car. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that was great. I didn't see the all the boys I've loved before, but I hadn't read that book. Is it? It's. I liked it. And I did not. So <laughs> differing opinions. Did you like the book? I never read the book. Okay. I liked her outfits. She had great outfits <laughs> in the movie. I could watch a movie just for outfits. What other ones have they done? Oh, The Love, Simon was good. But didn't that? That was in theaters. That was in theaters. Yeah. That yeah. was really good. That was really good. I bawled my eyes out on that one, too. <laughs> <laughs> Annie's a crier. <laughs> yeah. Especially <laughs> movies. I don't know what it is. <laughs> it really gets me. Okay, so we asked about our clans that we identify with. So the main course I have here, which is jollof rice, just so for anyone who doesn't know what jollof rice is, it's rice, tomato, tomato paste, onions, cooking oil, and goat meat or beef. And then the other item I put here is the 500 silver piece sailfish. Um, jollof rice is at the festival, and the sailfish is how Amari and Zeli run into each other at the market in Lagos. So uh, what I have down here are a couple different things. It's kind of a chosen one plus story. Mm-hmm. Like instead of a singular person, it's like a chosen group of friends. They have these sibling pairs. And the concept of the chosen one is kind of overturned at the end of the concept is overturned at the end of the novel. Like mm-hmm. there's no longer chosen ones. So I don't know. What did you think about that? I thought it was pretty cool. I really liked the adventure feel to the book like it wasn't just fantasy they were constantly moving from one set piece to another is how I think of it in my mind like oh now we're in this like mountain temple area now we're in this like desert crazy ship battle arena place and it felt like really exciting um and it wasn't as dour as chosen one books tend to be you know where the weight of the world is really on your shoulders and you're not having like any fun at all along the way and so I thought that was like a good way to do it by keeping the adventure up. It felt a little chosen one e because like, you know, she's the one who's supposed to supposed to get the items or whatever and like and has inherited this power, but there's also a lot of 
like cooperation and teamwork like she would not have been able to just go off on her own and do this like every single person that she encounters is like influential to helping her achieve this goal and I really love um the way that her and Amari's friendship developed over the course of the book like yeah it wasn't like insta insta love or insta friendship you could see that it uh, you know transformed from like I hate you to I guess you're all right to oh my gosh friends (laughs) yeah and And like in a realistic way yeah yeah Yeah. I thought that was really good too I wish maybe that the romance had followed that same path a little (laughs) bit as the friendship I have the romance down here we can talk about it (laughs) yeah I agree it wasn't dour but it was definitely like urgent they have this very specific timeline Mm -hmm. everything that happens is extremely grandiose they literally never rest Mm -hmm. once (laughs) you know they're just like they have to they're forced on their path and when they like she the what's the first temple they go to the first sacred temple that they go to she's literally like anointed by that guy right. mm-hmm. yeah and he's like i will help you and then he's immediately cut yeah, down <laughs> that was harsh yeah it was super harsh yeah. there's this book does not pull any punches everything mm-hmm. is really harsh yeah oh, it's the like dad yeah that so was sad. really or just you know the village the oh my god freaking village <laughs> like right yeah. yeah like there's there's a lot of high body count on this yeah lots of blood i read what did we read after this oh i read something after this the court of five series and this book was like much bloodier to me even though a lot of death happens in court of fives also but it felt not as like weighty all of it feels super weighty here. I mean, and the book is Blood and Bone, so it's like, mm-hmm. it's very... It's right there <laughs> it's in the right title. There. It's telegraphed. <laughs> <laughs> we have been warned. <laughs> okay, so yeah, Blood Magic and Physical Markers I have on here. The author, let me get her name correctly, Tomi Adeyemi, right? Sounds right. Yeah. She's really young. She's only like 25, right? Oh, wow. Didn't know that. This I is her first book, either. and she got the book and the movie deal like immediately before the book even came out. She had the movie deal. And she's, yeah, she's very young. And um, she, there's a note in the, in the story at the end of the book that she specifically wrote this to deal with the weight of police shootings of unarmed black Mm -hmm. people. And it, the book really does have a lot about power dynamics and colorism, you know, that plays a huge part of the story. Um, And it's a real commentary on how power and oppression dehumanizes people. Yeah. I think I knew going in that she was specifically playing with those themes, but I also think the book does a really good job of examining that without pushing it in your face too much, right? Like it gives you a way to think through those power dynamics without being like, this is about police shootings, you know? Like I don't think that's obvious, but I think that the, the commentary is very well done. Yeah. So that reminded me of a Twitter thread that she wrote in like July. She wrote, four officers just showed up on my doorstep. They showed their badges and asked to speak to someone inside my house. I instantly saw their guns. When I asked if they had a warrant, an officer threatened to come back with a warrant and rip my door off its hinges. When it was revealed that all they wanted was to see if someone inside had a phone contact that would help them with an investigation, I asked why the officer threatened a search warrant at all or to rip my door off its hinges. The officer denied making either threat. And yes, I have a video recording of him making both threats. When I tried to explain why four white men with badges and guns showing up on a black woman's doorstep in 2018 was cause for extreme alarm, they said, this isn't about race. I don't see color. I'm colorblind. 
At this point, I had to take a moment to myself. I sat on my floor and cried, but I was hoping, hoping this could be a teachable moment for them. So at the end of the encounter, I pulled myself together and tried to explain again how every day for the past two years, I've seen pictures and videos of white men with badges like theirs and guns like theirs murder and assault innocent black people. I tried to explain how understanding that viewpoint would help them positively interact with black people in the future. The officer who threatened to rip my door off its hinges then denied making this threat and then denied making this threat interrupted me to say the following. I wish the public would stop focusing on the negative. It's such a small percentage of the police force. I get discriminated against all the time. Then the fucker made a joke, laughed and walked away. This is the fucking problem. And just to be clear, I am okay. I'm sharing this because writing is how I process and get through trauma. I'm not going to let that bastard ruin my day or my weekend or my life. But this is what is happening every single day to men, women, children. Hashtag this is America. Wow. Why do you need four fucking people to go to the door? (laughs) Just to like ask for a contact. Why can't you call some like I don't understand. Because intimidation is their game. It gets them what they want usually. So that's why they do it because it's like an effective strategy. And the gaslighting. Like no I can Mm. say that. (laughs) Yeah. And like honestly a small percentage. Well like if 1% 1% of Skittles bags killed everybody that they ate. Like, maybe we'd stop eating Skittles. I mean, like, look what happened with Romaine. Like, right. Everybody canceled Romaine. Yeah. Not the story is not. 99% of Skittles won't kill you. <laughs> like, let's focus on the 1% that will. I am not a black person, but if four cops showed up to my front door, I would be terrified. I would be absolutely terrified. And mm. I would ask them if they had a warrant. That's the first question you ask somebody before right. they try to get in your house. Right. Wow. That's the first thing they teach you in law schools. Just say no. <laughs> Stuff like that. Yeah. Before marijuana was legal, you know, all of my friends who smoked weed were like, okay, so when they stop you in the car, you make sure you ask, like, do they have a warrant to search your car? You say no. You don't have to say yes. Yeah. yeah. With that said, how did you feel about, like, the themes that the book was was addressing did it feel was it did it help you process feelings around this type of stuff or was it was it more about like the adventure story as you brought up you know I I mean the blood was a lot for me I have to say and and the power dynamics was a lot for me but I as I've already <laughs> um, mentioned I'm a real crier and I'm very affected by like emotions and art I so. think maybe the blood was sort of on purpose because it made you feel the weight of this that there mm-hmm. was no breath and there was no relief and there just was this pain that was constant and unfair and not much people could do about it and yeah yeah my mom and I are both really big Harry Potter fans and my mom still has a grudge against J.K. Rowling for spoiler killing Cedric Diggory <laughs> And she's like, why did she have to kill him? She could have just, you know, like had Voldemort like banish him or like send him to another planet or whatever. And I'm like, that's not like the point of that is to show that like he doesn't care about innocent lives. Like he's going to just murder somebody if they're in his way. Like, you know, there's a reason. And I feel like it's similar in this book, right? Like you have to show like the reality of people are dying this is real like it's not you have to show how harsh like it really is to sort of get your point across sometimes and how complicated it is yeah i mean before we even get start the book 
every single magic worker has been slaughtered. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like before day one of the story opens, her mother is gone. Every single adult magic worker over the age of what? 16 or what was it? 12? It was a really I young thought it age. was like people who had come into their power. Right. But there was like a certain age that they did a cutoff, which is why like only now, 11 years later, do we finally have magic workers? Like they slaughtered everyone to a Mm -hmm. certain age, literally like a large percentage of the population. And then at the end, once we have magic workers starting to kind of fight back, Zelly gets she starts to get scared or like see why people would be scared of them. Mm -hmm. Right. She she starts to think like she hesitates to. She won't do the ceremony at the at the div- diviners festival because she doesn't want everyone to awaken right. their magic because right. she's worried that that will cause more of a backlash against them and she's like not sure they're ready to have these powers when she's seen the powers unleashed like specifically the one that sh- that really scars her is the cancer one mm-hmm. which is terrifying to have the like power of health and yeah. wellness mm-hmm. that is a a big weight in like how do you decide who should and should not have power? How do you teach somebody with that power to use it when they have no adults to mentor them? You know, their children trying to figure out how to come into their own. Like, And didn't, in the history of the book, the magic users initially hurt lots of people? That's the rationale that the other countries, like the European countries in this book, have used to banish the magic users. Or no, sorry, it's the other way. The magic users have taken over the other countries and are now like, right, running the I other countries. I thought like they sort of ruled and they were really cruel in their rule and they killed lots of people. I don't know. It's been a while since I read it. They I could did be kill mistaken people. on this. I think the king of the land that they're in, Nigeria or Lagos, or I can't remember the name of the land, um, killed the magic. Uh, workers because in other countries the magic workers had taken over the um i thought they killed his family specifically the king's family they did that too but also like there's some context of the outside of this country like there's other places in the world where people are using magic and they have used that to come into power okay and so in fear of their power he's like retaliated but also yes his family died i can't wait to hear more about that i'm super curious i mean like What's the ki- Saran? Is that the king's name? I, <laughs> need, I should have brought a list of characters. <laughs> he, uh, I'm trying to remember the scene when he, he forced his son to battle his sister. Yeah. They they made he made them fight when they were yeah, younger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, if like the author doesn't show that he's willing to be that cruel against his own family, like it's much easier to sort of demonize like a whole population if you just think of like us and them mm-hmm. right and so the fact that he's like willing to do this to his children like of course he's not going to care about like a nameless faceless them he was very villainous yeah there's a lot of like evil happening i mean i i really just can't rush i mean i just personally can't understand rationalizing killing like an entire population of people but that happens it's still happening in this world you know it is like real <laughs> it's yeah. just this is the only place where I can really take that is fantasy stories. <laughs> yeah. But that's also like why it's a good medium for it because it's not real, but it is like it's, you know, the people in the book, they're not like, they're not real. So it's not like, oh my God, this poor person. It's just like, okay, this is a story, but it's 
illustrating this is real shit that happens to real people. Definitely. I thought the colorism stuff was really interesting. Instead of having like white people, they just have like the lighter skinned people who are not the magi versus like the darker skinned magi. Mm-hmm. And then uh, also that the magi had this like very clear separate marker of their hair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you have like a hierarchy of skin tone and then you also have something that like declares you as other. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like really well, I thought she really did take like our, our real world power dynamics and weave it in here yeah. in yeah. a way that was very very creative and cool anything else you want to say about those topics mm, no all right so for dessert i have coconut pie and amari's mom fat shames her at the beginning of the book when she's eating the coconut pie <laughs> which <laughs> i was like no eat the pie <laughs> but yeah you already brought this up amanda but the book landscape they travel a lot they have the capital city, the floating fishing town, the sacred temple, the desert coliseum, the hidden forest outpost, the ironwork city, and the 100-year island, mm-hmm. all in one book. Yeah. <laughs> it's really grand, and it's a grandiose story, this dis- distinctly Nigerian aesthetic. And because of that, I had to look up some stats about Nigeria because I was like, I didn't know the food. You know, I had to look up those things and just I really did not know anything about this country. But... It is the most populous country in Africa. It's the third largest youth population in the world after India and China. And they have 250 ethnic groups and languages. So when I think about the complicated nature of the story, and I was like, why is it so complicated? And then I went and looked at the country that it's based on. I was like, oh, okay, now I get this. This isn't like, she isn't just adding things in for flavor. Like this is actually Mm -hmm. what she's taken again out of the real world, which I thought was super cool. Yeah, it was neat. Did you have like a favorite setting or what did you call them? Uh, set pieces. Set pieces. That's what we call them in video games. Like oh. now we moved on to this area. This is like the big set piece. Yeah. I, I really liked the pirate battle area. I was going to say that too. That was yeah. super inventive. I've never seen anything like that before. It was like crazy. I like the combination of like the game kind of dog fighting aspect of it, you know, with uh, just the idea of a sea in the desert. Raising an army of the dead. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, terrifying. that was really interesting. <laughs> That's so funny because I, I was like, oh, this is super creative. And I wonder if the Romans actually did this now because then I read another book, The Resurrection of Sophie Snow. Mm-hmm. Have you, either of you heard of this? It's sci-fi, but it's also like Hunger Games slash-ish. Um, but they then have a arena that they flood in that book too. Oh, and really? I was like, okay. I was like, how is this? happening like where where are people osmosing these ideas (laughs) like this is particularly wasn't that also the city where like people were dying because they couldn't afford to drink water yeah and then they were wasting all this water on this it was just yeah it was it was a particularly cruel illustration of the world i thought was well done yeah it definitely makes me think about flint and like people go funding this fucking wall (laughs) like (laughs) <laughs> that one actually the one that bothers me more is elon musk's insistence on spending like crazy amounts of money to make a submarine that didn't work to rescue those kids in thailand when he could have just like paid for flint right. <laughs> water to be clean yeah i was like here are hundreds of thousands of people who could benefit from your actions instead of like your weird sci-fi heroics that guy's super weird he is i read <laughs> some oh sorry go ahead no go ahead i uh, i read something on twitter that was like um, it was like a like a made up conversation. Like, hey, you know, we have like 
these countries with um you know uh malaria carrying mosquitoes and you know could really use like an invention like or some donation toward mosquito nets or whatever and elon musk is like i'm gonna invent invent like individual lasers that will target each mosquito or whatever <laughs> and they're like just the nets would be cool like it's <laughs> like yeah that's yeah i think he's smoking way too much weed i don't know i just know he got in a feud with Azealia Banks? What? Yes. And I had to have somebody explain it to me. For <laughs> like, what? Over what? Well, I guess he dated Grimes, who's a Canadian mus- musician. I actually like Grimes. Or Grimes? I yeah. did before I found that she dated Elon yeah. Musk. Um, and I guess they were going to collaborate, Azalea Banks and this person. And she came over and sort of was in the room while he was doing some stupid things and saying some stupid things. And I think she just tweeted out like everything that was happening. Like, <laughs> And oh it, may, I think, made his stock, the whole Tesla stock dip. Did it? Oh, I, I wouldn't think be surprised. Because he was, like, talking about how he was going to – I am so stupid about this stuff, so don't listen to me. But it was something about he was going to take the company public, but he was going to try to short it in some way, something that was illegal. And he had to resign from the board of Tesla and, like – I don't feel bad for him. I mean, it's hard <laughs> to feel bad for any billionaire. That's right? true. <laughs> like, but he did, like, cry on TV when someone was asking him about his, like, weed smoking yeah. video. What? Yeah, he he oh did some gosh. sort of, like, podcast where they were videotaping it. He's, like, smoking a giant blunt. And then someone later interviewed him about that. Like, don't you think that was maybe the wrong choice? And he, like, cried. And I was like, you're, I was like, you're on some, you're, you're, the drugs that you're doing are destabilizing your, <laughs> your brain, dude. I don't know, man. But, yeah, Grimes, when she was dating him, changed her name to the constant C for <laughs> half a minute. Did she? Oh, my gosh. I only know that just because Jamile is, like, a science nerd. So he was like, yeah, the constant C. And I'm like, why is that what you picked up about the entire <laughs> interchange? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then the last <laughs> – back to the book. The last piece I have here are – I really love the animals. The giant rideable cats with horns. Yes. That was pretty <laughs> Can cool. we get some of those? Yeah. If Elon wants to put money into that, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably got some Dr. Moreau Island already working on it. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, man. Did yeah. you see Sorry to Bother You? Yes. yes. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's working on something. <laughs> All right. Moving on to drinks? Yeah. Cool. I have tea and palm wine. Um, Amari is drinking tea at the beginning of the novel when she's fat shamed for the coconut pie. I will never forgive you, mom. What did and she say? I totally don't remember. She's just like, she's eating, you know, she's like sitting in the room with all of the like other highborn people and she's eating the pie and her mom's like, that's quite enough. <laughs> they mentioned it several times in the book. Yeah. Really? Like I got the idea that Amari was kind of chubby and like that. And she's the one who eats everything in the book. Like, and like when she's at the uh, party, she's like okay. talking about all the food she's eating. And mm-hmm. then there's a couple of comments on how like she's thick. Yeah. Which that's again why I'm like pro Amari. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, yes, eat everything you want, girl. <laughs> I have that. And then Zelly gets drunk on the palm wine at the festival. So I have kids in love. And this is, um, I want to talk about the relationships, but specifically Anon and Zelly very quickly drown in each other and call it love. And in the book, I felt like their attraction was very real, but I was really sad when it ended in the dreamscape sex after she was drunk and hurting. I was like, I felt like that choice was interesting and also just like not one that I wanted her to make, you know? I know we all make those choices, but I was like... That whole relationship I thought was... It's really unhealthy. Really strange to me. Yeah. With the amount of shit that she gave Amari, 
or just being born into this family and living right. this life. And she's like, you're a monster, like constantly to that girl. And then she's like, yeah, you actually killed my whole village where everybody I knew grew up with. But yeah, let's do it. Like, <laughs> what an aphrodisiac. <laughs> like, I just, if a guy kills your whole family, like, in your whole village, like, maybe, like, not a romantic partner. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It was confusing to me. Like, that's the only thing about this book that I had an issue with. I really liked the book. I enjoyed it. I thought it was an exciting read, but I cannot. That is a bad romance, and I can't get behind it. Yeah. It just seems like one of those things to check a box. Like, YA book. It's got to have some romance, but did it? did it have to? And with the sibling pairs, like, of course, the siblings had to fall in love with each other. I yeah. was a little bit disappointed in that choice also. That's so, like, romance novel tropey, like, True. where the, there's the heroine and the hero, and then their best friend side yep. fall in love. Yeah. Like, and the next book's about them. Like, yep. It's like, that's a way to build a franchise. <laughs> <laughs> I respect the game. <laughs> Except she kills him at the end. Does she? Yeah, Nan dies. Wait, what? <laughs> he dies at the end of the book. His dad kills him. Oh, I guess I don't remember that. I don't remember. Or maybe I just I didn't read take this it seriously a long time ago. because there's no way he'll stay dead, like in a world. But of you magic. think? Oh wait, she can raise the dead. Oh my god, I wonder if she raises him from the dead. I mean, Ooh. it doesn't last long. So I remember when he he was like wrestling with the decision when his dad showed up. He was like wrestling with the decision of like choosing between his family, like his dad and Zelly, but. Wasn't he, like, trying to play double agent? Yeah. He yeah. brought his dad to the final, like, 100-year temple. Yeah. He's the one who had the army sneak on and, like, had the... That's right. Mm-hmm. The yeah. ambush. And then it's it during that battle, I think, maybe when he refuses to kill Zelly or, like, hesitates that his yeah. dad cuts oh, him down. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, he's a bad guy. The king is a bad guy. Mm-hmm. He is a bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is, like, they're clearly using each other, but... I just have to say, I don't think we should call using each other love, you mm-hmm. know? I really want better for our YA romances. Right. I really do. Healthy YA romances. I mean, I thought Amari and the brother, Tuvain, maybe? Like, I thought that was cute. Built from, you know, experiences shared. Like, that seemed reasonable. <laughs> yeah. It was also, like, not as described, you know? We get less about that how... We yeah. just They just, like, Wait fall into it. Mm-hmm. So, okay, hold on. I'm reading the summary... It says, I really don't remember. It says, Inan is desperate to destroy the scroll, and so he provokes Zeli into attacking him. He uses her magic to destroy it. A mercenary tries to kill the king, but Inan uses his magic to stop him. When the king sees that Inan wields magic, he turns on Inan, determined to kill him. Amari steps in and kills her father. She will be queen. Yeah, that's the scene. Oh, but no, I thought Inan died. I was convinced he died. Maybe I am making that up. I, mean, I think he kills Inan and then she kills him. That might be right because Maybe. why would she be queen if she was the younger sister? That's true. Unless he was dead. Unless too. it's like a because she killed the king. Like I think I was running on exhaustion. This took <laughs> a little long at the end, so maybe I was it is so a listeners. If you end. remember what happened, <laughs> and I <laughs> thought Amari, because we're a little confused. Yeah, and I thought she didn't kill him. Like she was planning to kill him in the next book. I was not. Okay, well, but Inan's. I remember Inan died because because he was my favorite. I actually really liked him. I thought his psychological, like, issues were the most interesting and the most complicated. You know, like, he loves his family. He has this loyalty. Even though his father has abused him his whole life, like, he still wants to be good. He wants to be the praised son and yet has, like, the magic where 
he he's like been hates told himself. it's terrible and yeah he wants to like cut it out of himself and he can't and he's like totally drawn and hates the girl that he's drawn to and then like you know i'm not quite certain that it isn't his magic that created the love story and you know because he mm-hmm. has the mental magic like does his obsession turn it into love because that's the only way for him to survive it i love that he had the creepy magic too <laughs> like you don't think the death magic is the creepy magic? no i think the creeping on your thoughts and dreams is the creep magic. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit of a creep creep magic <laughs> magic maker but i loved it it's like are people naturally good or evil with your choices at the end if they are forced to empathize like loving a hurt person or through magic can they be redeemed so i was kind of sad that he did not make it past the first book <laughs> maybe maybe he will come back from the I dead think marvel's just conditioned me to not accept anyone's death anymore <laughs> like i'm like oh, okay they're dead oh, okay cool yeah <laughs> i'm just waiting for like <laughs> that's possible i mean i'm curious about the death magic because when you create an army of, a de- of the dead i assume like the zombies are are like hard to kill but it sounds like they go away once her magic depletes i think once they do something for her they get to go away right like doesn't isn't that the deal she makes with them like i'll help you pass over as soon oh, as you do that's one right. thing she's sort of just like a conduit between oh. the worlds for them like okay i will allow you passage that's kind of what i got but i could be wrong i did get that she had to like see if there were ghosts lingering in order to raise them but there always seemed to be ghosts available well just because the massacre well i mean everybody's dead like, yeah. yeah there's like all this trauma that was a repeated theme like normally there wouldn't be this many ghosts like right they, they don't naturally just stick around like it's only with trauma because like all these people were just yeah murdered interesting i'm really excited to see what the next book looks like mm-hmm. i mean the world is fascinating to me so i'm super excited to get more yeah it's exciting that's all i have to say anything else for you no I'm going to see the movie when it comes out. I hope it's good. I hope they do a good job. <laughs> <laughs> is there a date? Um, is there a date? I can find or it for out. the sequel? I feel like it's soon. Mm. We'll have to look it up. Don't books like that usually release on a year scale? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that book was so big. It would be really hard to write. I guess you could, if that's all you were doing, you could write what in a follow-up. But I feel like... She were like like you said, it's clear that she did all of this research and worked really hard and has all of this background planning. But like, okay, so if a book gets accepted for publication, it's usually at least a year and a half from the time it gets sold. So she probably had time to work on a sequel. Cool. Before this book even got published. I think it is a three series deal. Ooh. Yeah. Oh. What? Children of Virtue and Vengeance? And it's set for a publishing date of March fifth, twenty nineteen. Cool. There you go. I feel like that's a lot sooner than I thought. Sweet. Well, Tommy, Eddie, Emmy, we're happy that you joined the YA community. <laughs> I'm excited <laughs> to read more of your work. And congratulations on that book movie deal. I mean, that's like a once in a lifetime thing. So it's pretty cool. It's awesome that that's happening for more writers who are not white and YA people. With that, can we say it? Yeah. Book Appetite. Book Appetite. And no one is running. I wake up in the morning. Tell you what I see on my TV screen. I see the blood of an innocent child, and everybody's watching.